It's time to focus on wilderness medicine. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Andrew Krakowski, and I'm at the 2008 Wilderness and Mountain Medicine Conference, sponsored by the Wilderness Medical Society. I'm joined today by Lauren Greenway, PhD, current fellow in the Wilderness Medical Society and its newly appointed CEO of the Wilderness Medical Society from Salt Lake City and an affiliate of the Inner Mountain Medical Center. Today, we're going to talk about the Society's Innovative Medical Fellowship in Wilderness Medicine. Hello, Dr. Greenway. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, tell us a little bit. How did the fellowship get started? The fellowship is uh, an innovative program that was started about five years ago that uh, focuses on the academics of wilderness medicine and wilderness medical provision. And how long it's been in uh, practice? It's been around for five years, and we have currently 38 fellows in the United States. And that was our first graduating class. The next class will graduate in July, and we expect to have another 10 to 15. And how is this fellowship different from an academic fellowship that maybe some of our listeners are familiar with? This fellowship has to do with the accumulation of 100 fellowship units that are garnered through educational opportunities that are provided by Wilderness Medical Society and other organizations of which their courses are approved by the Academy of Wilderness Medicine. That academy is a a subset of academic requirements that we use in the Wilderness Medical Society to validate that people actually have training to practice in the wilderness. And what sort of training are we talking about? We're talking about a core curriculum of 100 units that focus around accident prevention, accident treatment, thermic injuries, diving, hyperbaric medicine, venomizations, and uh, all wilderness medical society or all wilderness medicine kind of interactions. Okay. And that is the idea being that if you complete the fellowship, you are trained in all facets of wilderness medical society? That's exactly right. So the fellowship was designed to give a well-rounded approach to the practice of wilderness medicine from an academic perspective. And who developed the curriculum? Dr. Jim Guyaline, actually, one of our speakers at this conference, developed the curriculum, and it's been reviewed by a committee that has given expert input and modified slightly since its original inception and uh, continues to grow and expand as the needs for wilderness medical providers grow and expand. And who might be interested in, in a fellowship like this? Anyone that's a current member of the Wilderness Medical Society that has a license to practice in any medical or allied health profession is eligible for application in the uh, fellowship program. And with that application, then we start to accumulate credits, and those credits then are added until ultimately um, the individual completes their fellowship requirements. And how long roughly does that take? We allow five years from the point of inception to the point of ultimate completion, and it can be completed any time in that five-year period. It took me four years to complete the fellowship program. Okay. And is that done at a central location or is this done on your own? How how does the fellowship itself work? You are on site in Salt Lake City with people like yourself or you're at home studying virtual curriculums on the internet. How does one go about actually learning the material? The uh, units come in two different categories. One is a core curriculum that's garnered through lectures and academic endeavors at conferences that they attend that are approved by the Academy of Wilderness Medicine. The other 20 units are gathered from experiential credit and actual practical experience in wilderness medicine. 
And where did you get your practical experience? I've been a trip guide for groups of individuals on uh, in the backcountry for a number of years now and have lectured pretty extensively as it relates to wilderness medical topics to special interest groups around Utah and actually around the United States. And throughout the year, you're then also going to conferences, as you said, and that's pretty much up to the, the, the applicant or the fellow completing. They can pick the conferences that they want to go to. and They can pick the conferences as long as the conferences have been pre-approved by the academy to be included as part of their core curriculum. So not all conferences make the cut. And what are the ultimate goals of the fellowship? The ultimate goals of the fellowship program are to give individuals a specific credential that allows them to use the fellowship credentials that tells people that they're actually trained in wilderness medicine. Can I extrapolate from that, that in the past, there have been problems with people who maybe have claimed to be experts and maybe don't know the material as well as they should? Is that what was the impetus behind this development of this curriculum? Or is it because there's maybe a move to formalize the material? Actually, both of those statements are true. There have been cases where individuals have extended their knowledge and their experience overextended that and actually have not been as helpful to patients and individuals who've been injured in the backcountry as they could have been. But the real focus is to kind of put in one place an oversight organization to um, guarantee that there is a cadre of individuals who are well-trained to represent themselves as wilderness medical providers. Wonderful. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. This is the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Andrew Krakowski, and I'm at the 2008 Wilderness Medical Society's conference in Salt Lake City. It's called the Wilderness and Mountain Medical Conference. I'm joined today by Lauren Greenway, PhD, a current fellow in the Wilderness Medical Society. Dr. Greenway, please tell us a little bit about some of your alumni. What are their experiences? Where are they right now? What are they doing with the fellowship criteria once completed? There, as I said, at this point, 38 of us in uh, North America who are fellows. Most of those individuals have been practicing wilderness medicine as a secondary part of their practice for a number of years and are world-renowned. Paul Auerbach, uh, Eric Johnson, Colin Grissom, others who have done research and have published extensively in wilderness medicine and on wilderness medicine topics. And then there are those at the PhD level who have uh, done research in other arenas and have been actively in Involved. And then, and then there are a, a group of individuals who are wilderness medical practitioners at uh, the non-physician PhD level. And so, the Wilderness Medical Society offers opportunities for diverse groups of individuals to practice their profession. And most of the people that are going through the fellowship are are they primary care providers, or have they specialized? The clinicians, that is, have they specialized within a particular field? What's your experience been in that regard? Most of the physician practitioners are emergency room trained physicians or surgeons, orthopedic surgeons, other specialties like that. There are ophthalmologists who are involved. Dr. Jeff Tabin is one of those and people who have extensive wilderness experience and then utilize their, their experience to extend care to individuals in the wilderness. Are there any specialties that are underrepresented that you'd like to see maybe more people come out from? Actually, I, I don't have a good feel for that at this point. My sense is that to people who are actively engaged in the wilderness, independent of their specialties, will seek out uh, an organization like ours to affiliate with. We're the only membership organization in North America that you can join relative to wilderness medicine. And uh, we are, again, the only academic organization, meaning that we publish scientific information that's original research, that's index medicus approved or resourced, 
And we're the only organization who, who provides those opportunities for individuals in the wilderness. That's great. Now, you, you alluded to the fact that most people going through the fellowship are doing this sort of as a, as a supplement to their primary careers. Do you have anyone who've, who's gone through that has decided to make this their primary focus? Actually, there are people who are physicians, physician level, people who, are, who do wilderness medical provision as their primary practice. There are relatively few, but there are um, some of those in our, in our society. And do they tend to work in the backcountry? They're, they're actually hired out as, as experts for field guides, or how, how does that work? Some are hired out as expert field guides. Some, like Dr. Freer, has a clinic that she runs on Everest at the base camp. So um, people do a lot of volunteerism as it relates to uh, their association with the, in association with the Wilderness Medical Society, and some do that on a full-time basis. Others don't have that, that luxury. Where do you see the fellowship going over the next five or 10 years? In the next five or 10 years, three components of the fellowship will be developed that are, I think are really exciting. One of those components will be um, a speaker's bureau. We want to encourage our fellows to become more actively involved in presenting state-of-the-art information to others in the community. The second area will be research. Um, we have a group of individuals who are active in research, and we offer research grants to that group of individuals. And we look for our fellows to be actively involved in the research organizations that are supported by the Wilderness Medical, Medical Society. The third, I think, has to do with remote education and distance learning concepts, and we're in the process of developing modules as it relates to that at this point. So those are the three things I think will happen in the next five to 10 years. It'll make the fellowship program really exciting. And do you see yourself sort of allying with, with other medical associations, or do you see yourself sort of remaining independent and, and just having people loosely uh, coming together to do wilderness medicine? Is there a push to maybe join up with other academic associations or are you remaining independent? The Wilderness Medical Society is going to remain independent, but we want to align with academic institutions such as medical schools, and we have done that across the country. So we're doing both of those, actually. And potential fellow applicants can be any age, any specialty. How does one go about becoming a fellow? First, they have to be a member of the Wilderness Medical Society, then make application to the fellowship program. And the application consists of their license to practice either at the medical professional level or at the clinical level in some arena, and then to start actively pursuing their fellowship credits. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I want to thank Lauren Greenway, PhD and current fellow of the Wilderness Medical Society and also its newly appointed CEO, for joining us today at the 2008 Wilderness and Mountain Medicine Conference in Park City, Utah. For more information about the Wilderness Medical Society, please visit them at the web at www.wms.org. And for more information about this program, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you very much for joining us.